When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello once again, everybody. This is Tony Richards. And on today's Better Than Before program, my special guest is going to be Michael Winderoth. Michael is an authority on why people get promoted and also why they do not get promoted. It's one of the most asked questions by employees of all time. Why am I not getting the jobs in the organization I would love to have? And how can I get those higher level promotions? Michael will have some answers for you today on our show. I'm going to have three big ideas for you to ponder a little later on in the show as well. Today's Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. I'll be right back here with Michael Winderoth on Better Than Before here on the C-Suite Radio Network. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Tony Richards, and I'm happy to welcome Michael Winderoth to the podcast today. Michael is a fellow executive coach that challenges leaders to re-examine their assumptions about power, politics, and authenticity so they can break through and ascend. His contrarian views have been featured in Harvard Business Review, also in Forbes magazine, and he's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Get Promoted, What You're Really Missing at Work That's Holding You Back. 
Prior to becoming an executive coach, he served 20 years in senior roles on breakthrough businesses in the U.S., China, and Europe, and he has an MBA from Stanford Business School and trained as an executive coach at Columbia University. His focus is on building power, a word with negative connotations and a topic most people mistakenly shy away from. He believes understanding power is the key to success if you want to move up, get things done, or become a better leader, period. So we're going to talk about power and how you can get promoted and a bunch of other good things that Michael's going to share with us today. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you for inviting me, Tony. Pleasure to be here. You bet. Always glad to have a fellow executive coach on the program and we can share stuff with people and how we help them. And I don't know if there's a more frustrating thing for someone when they're excited and they're ambitious and they want to do well, and they just can't seem to get over the hump and get promoted. So I'm excited. Some of the things you might have to share with us today. Indeed. I'm looking for the conversation as well. All right. Wonderful. So you've got this book out. This is a fascinating topic, and I'm glad that you're diving into this subject. What caused you to write this book? Well, a very simple story, <laughs> which is getting the call many years ago. This is probably about halfway through my career. And one of the friends and colleagues that I had worked with for many years, because a senior executive at the time, called and said he had gotten fired. And it's one of those things, I think we've all heard about it. We don't talk about it as much, but it's happened to many of us. Was stunned, right? When I got the call, I said, how could this individual who was all these things that we talk about, a servant leader, a team player, brilliant, very talented, and had risen fairly well up the ranks, and then more or less had gotten the rug pulled out from under him and was blindsided by it. And of course, when that happens, and I've had this happen to clients or clients who have come to work with me, you get frustrated, you blame yourself, you get angry, you take it out on folks at home. Um, and, and so it can lead to this negative spiral. Mm -hmm. And so when that happened, I kind of said, well, why is this happening? And that also matched with, and you've had a long career as well, when you kind of look around in organizations, it's not always the people you would expect the smart, hard workers who are always rising. And so looking at that piece too, I just got really curious of what's going on. Why are certain people rising? Not always the ones we would like. And some of the really talented people stalled, hit ceilings, or even get derailed. So looking at the research there, there are some key things that do drive people's success. It doesn't have to be negative things, which we associate <laughs> with uh, We'll talk about this political skills, really right. to build power, but basically seeing that pain in people and seeing this disconnect from a lot of the leadership literature, which said, be a servant, be humble, be authentic. I think all good things, but sometimes that gets misapplied. And so I wrote this book to help people because a lot of good people, Tony, are getting stalled or they're frustrated. They feel like they're not valued and they're not getting promoted, getting ahead or making an impact in their organizations. So this book speaks exactly to that point, And it's a focus of my coaching of helping those people figure out what's going on and get them unstuck and get them moving. I was just thinking while you were talking, and I've thought about this a lot because I have had clients who get fired, CEOs, executives, uh, vice presidents. And when people think about what we do as a vocation, 
they associate success with us, right? They think, oh, an executive coach, you make people more successful or you help people become more successful. And we do. But I don't think anyone ever realizes how painful it is for us when one of our clients gets fired because we know firsthand how hard they worked and how much focus they had and how much they cared about the organization and all of that stuff. And I've had that happen. And obviously it's devastating to the client, but it hurts us too. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. And so, I mean, this is another way of helping people, right? We can define success in many ways, but a lot of times it's kind of getting back on track and also to kind of find meaning or impact and get back up again and go for things again. So let's talk about power. Um, you got me fascinated. When you talk about power, what are you talking about? Talking about power, if we use a very simple definition, Tony, which is the ability to get your way or make things happen in the way that you would like them to happen. That's a very simple definition. And if we think about management, if we think about leadership, these two big words that get thrown around a lot, a lot of that is about getting things done, influencing people, sending the ship in the right direction and getting people to come along. And so if you want to do those things, you do not <laughs> control everyone down beneath you in your organization, particularly the higher you go up. There is a huge need for the ability to influence for the ability to direct the ship. And inevitably in an organization where resources may be scarce, there may be conflicting interests, you want to move things forward. And so power is all over the place. There's always these power dynamics between people, between groups, but it's this invisible force. And most people don't want to recognize it. It's kind of called the skeleton in the closet. You know, it's there, it's omnipresent, so to speak. And the more that you can understand it and wield it or use it, now you can use it in different ways, which we can talk about. It's a very, to reuse the word, powerful force. It's nothing more than a force of, by which you can get things done. I've seen this happen too, and I know you talk about this in the book, but I've seen this happen where I see someone who's very talented, they work really, really hard, they do more than what's asked of them, and for whatever reason, there are people who are their peers who do not work as hard as they do and maybe don't have as much talent as they do, but they get passed up by these people. Have you seen that? Oh, this happens a lot. And this is where I look a lot at the research and I kind of bring that into my practice. The whole first part of the book talks about some of the research here of what really propels people upward in organizations, particularly as you move beyond individual contributor to kind of manager to manager managers. And the critical skill there is not necessarily how smart or hard you work. It is your political skills, which is essentially how well you, your interpersonal skills, mm -hmm. your ability to manage power, build power and to influence. And the way to think about this is if I can use a kind of analogy from popular culture, I think a lot of people know the movie Moneyball. Okay, with, about Billy Bean, Oakland right. A's. And so if you remember the scene where they're down in the garage, where Jonah Hill is explaining to Brad Pitt, Brad asks him, why do you wanna come here? How do you see things? And Jonah Hill is this data cruncher at the time that was thinking about joining the, the A's. And he basically says to Pitt, 
I believe there's an imperfect understanding of the game, of where runs come from. And he takes this different approach, right? The typical approach at the time was just go buy the best players or what they perceive to be the best players. Mm-hmm. And so that type of analogy, there's also this kind of imperfect understanding sometimes of what propels your success and what's really needed as you get to these upper ranks. And that comes from a lot of different places, a lot of the way we're, we're brought up, and I think some good values there of working hard, et cetera. But we often overlook because of negative connotations around politics and power, which we can reframe and think about and use to really help us in those ranks as you move up. Well, I have a client right now who has been burned a few times by corporate politics. That's their term. And it's one of those things where I've just about got that coached out of Mm. them, where being a corporate politician is not necessarily a bad thing. And it's all about your interpersonal skills. But how do you define that? Well, one of them is getting the client to think about really how do they first of all think about politics? Again, negative associations kind of putting your head in the sand. I don't do that. All these brown nosing, right? Backstabbing. That's certainly one version of politics. And there are organizations that are very toxic that we need to be wary about. But putting your head in the sand and not interacting with other people or influencing other people, which at base is what politics is about. The meeting before the meeting, who's the key stakeholder, who has influence on this, is going to be a big disservice. So first is getting them to think about how they might reframe politics. Think about that as kind of influence or you even use other words. And then also to think about small experiments that they might be doing to influence other people, right? I work with a lot of engineers who move over into management and they're used to everything's data and this will speak for itself versus like, why would I sit down and have you know, lunch with someone and small talk and build a relationship with the person or understand where they're coming from? And you see this all over the place in organizations. It's not people being necessarily evil, but they may get pit against each other. Mm. Sales and marketing, that's a classic. Oh, yeah. um, we see this all the time. And so the ability to work with other people, particularly those that you may not love, you're going to need to find a way to work with them. And so you can certainly find positions that maybe you just keep your head down and you deliver, but the majority of the ones, particularly as you move up, require those critical interpersonal skills. When I was in corporate management, I think I was acutely aware of this. So I'm probably a big exception, but I looked for those people that put their head down and worked hard who weren't really trying to politic their way into different positions. And I'm even saying that with a little negativity on it. And I don't mean to, it's just, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to find the words to describe it. And it's hard to describe it neutral because it's either working for you or it's working against you. I'm not sure there is a middle ground. Is there? You have to be able to recognize power plays in politics and you need to be able to engage in a certain level that helps you but doesn't get you sucked in all the time. Right. And I would say this is the other piece. We wish there were more leaders, Tony, like yourself, right? That kind of look for individuals around who are delivering and want to make that step up. But the truth is things are so busy. So many things are swirling on around us that we get influenced by the loudest person in the room or who is constantly visible in front of us. So there's lots of things there that are going on that we're often not aware about. And what my book tries to share is to say, hey, there's some unfortunate truths here. 
about how you need to be a strong communicator and have presence, how you do need some visibility and brand in your company, because if you're tucked away, you may not be seen within organizations. And so that piece, it's kind of incumbent on you to do those things. And it'd be great if we have more leaders who also recognize, hey, where are the hidden gems, the pearls that we want to grow to create a great culture? I think the other thing that can work for you and is good for you, even though you may not want to do it, or you may want to shy away from those interactions with those leaders is that sooner or later, if you engage them enough and often enough, you're going to get feedback. And that's really good for you to get that feedback from them. Because when you get sucked into just putting your head down, working hard, and somebody will notice me, your mind is not going to get fed anything. And if it's left to its own devices, it tends to go negative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Feedback is absolutely critical. (laughs) Growth, which we know is often uncomfortable, right? It's kind of expanding our skill set and our toolbox. And one of the number one things you can do is to actively solicit feedback. You should actively seek out mentors, sponsors within organizations. This is another way that propels a lot of people up and you can learn a ton. And so one of the things to go back to your example of those who may be don't embrace politics is to look around your organization and to say, hmm, is there someone who I admire who seems to manage XYZ very well? This person has a lot of presence or seems to be able to get along with that person that I know she or he really probably dislikes, but they find a way to make things work to move the business forward and to go seek that person's advice to get some mentoring for them. That's also a great way to build a relationship, but it's a very quick way to have an internal sponsor who may be sharing their wisdom, but also being able to do some live coaching because they may see you interact inside the company. I love that And that is like a gem right there of things that people could be doing because you and I, as external coaches, we certainly bring very valuable perspectives, be a sounding board and research to what we do, but sometimes we're not in the room with the individual. And so having multiple coaches is critical. Yeah. And there's boundaries for us too, that mentors can cross that we don't cross and that managers can cross that we don't cross. Now tell my audience about the rock, the map and the snowball. Sure. Yeah. So this is the framework of the book and the framework through which I work with a lot of individuals on these topics, particularly around power and politics. But very simply, if we think about the rock, the map and the snowball, the rock is about getting real. The map is about getting strategic and the snowball is about getting doing. And to explain those, this is not, you know, a a linear process, but you may be jumping back and forth between them. But the rock is about this part around getting real is to understand what some of the research, the evidence would show that people with strong political skills and interpersonal skills are the ones who rise, right? It's not necessarily always the smartest or hardest workers. Great body of research on that. Those who are highly networked, et cetera. So understanding some of those pieces, because this generally violate some of our values or norms. And so people need to overcome that and look at themselves and seeing some of the research kind of helps them. Okay. But people can get hung up a lot in the research and not move off the rock, I say. So the second piece of the map is getting strategic, which is what are you trying to accomplish? And then seeing the forest, 
The forest meaning what are pathways, whether that's getting promoted, getting something done, getting initiative done, for example, in the company. Who are people who could be helping you there? What are blockages or things in the way? How have other people done this that have been successful? So having a strategy, because what I'd say is a lot of people hope, right? And hope is not a strategy. Right. And then after thinking about that in the map, and I have some tools there that we use, is then to get doing, right? Nothing happens <laughs> unless you start to do stuff. And particularly, like we said about growth can be, we talked about growth being uncomfortable. Sometimes you need to try out new behaviors, experiment. And that's the idea of the snowball. Once you do these things, and this is the beauty around power and interpersonal skills, if you do that well, it snowballs and it grows. Love it. So that's the idea there. And then the book is laid out in that framework and people can kind of work through that themselves as they're thinking about their challenges and opportunities. Now, here we are, two guys sitting here on this podcast talking about this stuff. And other men in the audience are probably relating to us. But let's take the conversation in a different direction. Let's talk about women and let's talk about minorities. Yeah. Are there any other points that would apply to women and minorities that maybe we haven't talked about? Yeah. So I think this is a great point that you bring up. And, and I will preface this with two remarks. The first is that I have a very global practice in myself. I have 30 year career. The majority of that was in Asia and here in Europe. And so very diverse environments, large companies, small companies, different industries, and 60% 70% of my clientele is actually women and minorities because these issues that we talked about hitting glass ceilings, getting stalled out, getting overlooked. Yes. Disproportionately. Let's just call this out affects them. Okay. And we see this and it's a growing and big issue. There's a lot of awareness, particularly in the States around this topic right now. Right. So I would say this, and I always want to be sensitive to this topic the book and my research kind of lays out this topic around power and the research here that I looked at, these are fairly universal traits. Those who are good at political skills, have strong networks or sponsors, strong presence and communication are the ones that rise. And this helps. There may be some differences of degree that may affect women and minorities. But to your point, there are definitely challenges. The majority of those in power, and let's kind of look at this uh, in societal view, but also in organizations tend to be white men. And we know that in most places, people will promote those who are like them or exhibit traits like them. And so you get situations, say a woman or a minority or an immigrant who may show up in a different way. And therefore, because of existing stereotypes, okay, these are pervasive, people may get penalized for that. Let's just take a very simple example showing up with presence, right? Or being forceful, right? Mm -hmm. So a white male may be able to look angry. Okay, I think there's limits to that. We should talk about the nuances there. And I've written an article in Forbes about this. But a woman who does that, or maybe instructed by her boss, right? Who's, you know, says you need to show up with more force. But when a woman does that, it's kind of like, darned if you do, darned if you don't. Because right. if you show up like that, very negative words are used against you. The B word, you're out of control. You're not seen as a leader. And so there- well, At this, least the possibility exists that that's going to happen. Yeah, the possibility exists that that's going to happen. And then other things may be used against certain people 
because of how they show up or they're overextending when they're trying to exhibit some of the same characteristics of those maybe who are in power. So there needs to be a fine line here in managing those things, but it can be done. And I would say there is a lot of research around kind of navigating these stereotypes or double binds. It doesn't mean women need to be look <laughs> like men or minorities need to act like the dominant group. And again, I've worked international, so sometimes this is flipped around in certain companies and cultures that I've coached clients in. Sure. So sure. it's thinking about those things. And again, but if you build a strong network, you have sponsors, like if you're a woman, you have a sponsor who's a woman and a man that's going to help you, someone in power who's helping to elevate you. Yes. And strong communication is strong communication. It may be expressed slightly differently, but there are nuances there that to say it's not a one size fits all approach that people need to take. I've seen this used before, and I'm just going to delve into your experience a little bit for this. But do you feel like different employees, or let's say every employee, does every employee have an unexpressed narrative around them? Is there a story being written about them on a day-to-day -day basis? Is that kind of what you're saying? And then you use some of these tools to change that story or modify that story in a more positive light? Yeah, I think that this is a, is a great topic that you bring up. There are always stories being told about us or we're telling others. And so one of the... Uh, the otherwise known as a narrative, right? There, yeah. There's a narrative that's being written all the time on a day-to-day -day basis about you yeah. and your performance and all of that is what I'm trying to say. I'm not doing a very yeah. good job. No, then I think it's exactly this narrative. And some of that may be things that people are making up, right? Because on their limited exposure to you right. or existing oh. stereotypes they may R have. Wrong perception. Wrong perceptions. And so it's incumbent upon us to manage that narrative. I think that word has a negative connotation too. I agree. That's why I was trying not to use it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I but I think this is really important to perception is so critical. Okay. <laughs> we think that everything, there's an objective truth, but it's not, it's seen through the lens of other people. So you've got to understand the context or the direct lens through which other people may be seeing you and perceiving you. Agreed. And so that's being strategic, sometimes careful about how you show up, the perception you leave to send signals, to also ask or say the things that you want doing that diplomatically. I think that's very, very important. And I think with all of the talk, the kind of downside of authenticity, because I think that word gets overused, is that people think, well, I just show up who I am, I say whatever I want. <laughs> and that would be great. But think about even your personal relationships. You're careful sometimes about what you say at home, you want to send a positive image to your kids. And so there are times where we are acting or we are managing a certain narrative, depending on what the situation calls for. You bring up really a good, important. You, yes, it is extremely important. You bring up a good point there that I want to ask about. On one hand, you want to be very intentional about controlling the story and working your way into a position to get what you have worked very hard for. On the other hand, you don't want to just show up, be whoever authentically, say what you want, do what you want. 
And you don't want to sit at home though, and constantly worry and think and worry and think about this stuff to where it becomes an obsession. Where do you find the balance in all this, Michael? This is the part that's really important. And I think it is exhausting. I mean, <laughs> the women clients I work with, a lot of the minority clients, it's like, I can't be myself. I got to act. I've got to be someone totally different. That is totally exhausting and totally get it. And so one of the things here, on the other hand, flipping to being yourself all the time and getting penalized for it right. is also terrible. So I would offer a couple things and it's a quick exercise people can do is kind of look at your organization and see the people who are in leadership positions or where you aspire to be and who's getting promoted. Let's just be real honest about it. Not necessarily sometimes HR and leaders will tell you things, but they promote something else and make a decision that we're in this period, right? The great resignation where there's more jobs. And so the balance is shifted to employees is to think about, is this a place that I'm going to be able to navigate and rise? Or am I always going to have to show up and cover to use a term that's used a lot about who I am or whatever? So I think that's one aspect. And then you're always going to do this slight balancing act. I sometimes use the word, we should be chameleons. Sometimes that comes across as a little bit extreme, but we're constantly playing different roles. And so that's going to be part of your job of what it requires to be effective, to get things done, to get people on your side. So it is that balance. And I'd say to employees, to their absolute credit, particularly in this economy and in other hot economies I've worked in, is look at what's out there, right? Be an agent and go find where is the best place for you or go create <laughs> your own version of the best company. Right. And to do that, you also need power. And so I think be the change that you want to see rather than let the system kind of dictate where you're going to go or who you're going to be. Michael's book is called Get Promoted. It reveals the hard truths about how to get ahead in today's complicated and often political business sphere. We'll tell you how to get that book and also how to find Michael online in just a second. Before I let you go, though, Michael, I've got a standard list of closing questions we ask everyone that comes on the show. Are you ready? Awesome. Okay. Let's do it. Number one, what's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Oh, growing up when I was younger and being able to go to my grandfather's house in the countryside in rural Maryland and fishing, <laughs> spending days at his pond, pulling out fish, doing it with my brother, my cousin, and just the joy of that during the summer months in Maryland. I think you mentioned you're in Europe. Where do you live now? I am in Spain, just outside Madrid. Oh, fantastic. Who's the number one hero in your life? Hero is a strong word. I'd say the number one person I admire and I miss deeply is my mother, who passed away now 15 years ago. But she came to the States from China when she was seven years old, overcame lots of hardship, and a lot of things system worked against her here in the States initially, but she overcame a lot of that. And she was a fantastic mother, pretty brutal on me. <laughs> Have you heard of the word tiger mom? Right. That was her. But yeah, I miss her deeply. And she was amazing. And she is infused in a lot of what I see in my values and what I do. Speaking of values, what's the top value you subscribe to? Persistence. Well, who's the most important person in your life? Oh, hands down. That's my wife. What's her name? Victoria. Awesome. What's your favorite thing in the whole world? The aha moment you get 
when you're coaching a client, I hadn't thought about that, that led to a breakthrough and which I saw on breakthrough businesses when I taught, did training, and also people I had on my teams back when I was in corporate, that what's your, moment. What's your favorite food? Half of my family is from Maryland and in Maryland, we eat steamed blue crabs, Old Bay seasoning associated with summer. That is my favorite food. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? <sighs> Many, but I would say Yangshuo, China, which is in the center. It's where my mom, near where my mother was born and has these beautiful camelback mountains shrouded in mist. It's fantastic. But 30 years ago, it has been transformed today. So I remember that area as being super beautiful. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Well, success for me, I think each person has their own definition, is impact. How do you want to be remembered? Being a catalyst and someone who made a difference. If you could go back and speak to a younger Michael, what advice would you have for him? Work hard, be curious, and build power. What's your favorite sound? I like the sound of running water. I live right by a stream and particularly now in the springtime, going out there, hearing the water running and the birds, particularly in the morning, chirping. It's amazing. Final one. What's the best lesson you've learned? That to learn and grow, you need to go outside of your comfort zone. And that is often uncomfortable. Michael Winderoth has been our guest. He's an executive coach and he's the author of the book, Get Promoted, What You're Really Missing at Work. That's holding you back. Michael, where do they get this book and how do they find out more about you? Yes. Yeah, so the book is available on Amazon. You can go to my website, www.changwenderoth.com. We can put that in the notes. And then to follow me, I mainly use LinkedIn to connect to me, follow Fantastic. me there. That's wonderful. Listen, thanks for taking the time to do this. And thank you, Tony. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad to have you here. And you shared a lot of really true gold with people who I know need this information. So thanks so much. I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks. Michael Winderoth, everybody. Stand by. I'll have a little bit more for you coming up next here on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. Are you ready for my three big ideas on this week's show? Here they come. Number one, being happy is not just mental. It's also physical. Get out and move around a little bit today. Spring is here. 
The sun is out. The breeze is blowing. It's time to get outside the house and walk around, move around, do something fun. It'll help your happiness. Number two, big idea, lead with your purpose, commit to your mission. Never get away of why you're doing something, but also commit to execution into what you're doing it for. What's your mission? Where are you going? What are you trying to do? Stay close to executing that and stay close to your why. Big idea number three, balance is the result of your schedule. You schedule your own balance and imbalance. So your schedule is what you're doing. It's not that piece of paper or that electronic calendar or that thing you carry around on your smartphone. It's good to document those things, but you're going through a schedule, whether you're actually scheduling it or not. And it's good to purposefully and intentionally make your schedule of the things you're going to do each and every day. Because if you've got a lot of imbalance in your life, it's the result of your schedule. If you've got a balance in your life that's good and healthy and works for you, it's the result of your schedule. So balance and imbalance both are a result of your schedule. And you're going to have more balance if you have more intention and more purposefulness as far as putting your schedule together. Whatever gets a yes, everything else gets a no. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow us on Twitter at Tony Richards 4 Special thanks, as always, to our super producer, Tessa Hall. And until we visit again next week, I'm always your host, Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.